This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of today? Well, my guest is a beautiful spitfire by the name of Amy Lyle. Amy Nothing has easily gone for Amy Lyle. After being rejected by a Hollywood attorney to represent her, telling her she was a nobody, knew nobody, and had no money, he gave her a piece of advice that changed everything, which was write a book and get some press. Amy wrote a book about what she knew best, failures. The Book of Failures, a funny memoir, has been a bestseller since its release in humor and entertainment on Amazon. Amy's book sits amongst her favorite humor writers, including Jenny Lawson, Samantha Irby, and Jen Mann, as well as her stand-up comedian idols, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Kevin Hart, and Jim Gaffigan, to name a few. The book reveals some of her most mortifying moments, which led to all sorts of incredible opportunities she couldn't have imagined, including indie film roles that landed Best Comedy and Best Supporting Actor accolades, a regular spot on a popular Atlanta morning show, and now the opportunity to co-host in her own show called In the Burbs. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Amy, how are you, my friend? I am great. How are you, Lisa? Thank you for having me. Well, this is awesome. We've been planning this for quite some time in the background, and here we are. The day is finally upon us. So thank you so much for the gift of your time. I know you're immensely busy. Um, But listen, everybody who follows me, and I'm very grateful for that, everybody knows this is unscripted. It's organic. I think it makes for a much more authentic conversation. Uh, Sometimes I do start off with the first initial question about what was the inception of your journey, some of which obviously was covered in your bio here. But what I would like to dive in deep to talk about first with you, Amy, is when we talk about failure, a lot of people in the business, in the industry, especially personal growth, personal development, 
um, arguably have different schools of thought, contrasting different schools of thought on that. Some people will say there is no such thing as failure. It's an opportunity to regain clarity, to pivot, and to really step into what you're actually meant to do. And that being just a common denominator of how to get more focused. Some people do preface the fact that failures do exist and have no problems going on record with that, which of course you clearly don't because that's the title of your book. So I'd like to know philosophically, ideology, what, what does failure mean to you, Amy? Well, I... Black, uh, I'm a black cloud follows me around. Unlike, you know, not unlike Murphy's law, you know, it's just like (laughs) everything is twice as hard for me. You know, it's like, I'm the person that when you have to run out to be in a meeting, your printer dies, you know, and you really needed that or, you know, just a million, a million things. It just, it doesn't seem like I seem, I can't pull it together a hundred percent. And, um, and so that's just, that's just how it is. It's just in the cards for me. So I've had an immense amount of failure, but you know what? I've had an immense amount of success in my life. You know, I was a, um, a salesperson for one of the largest staffing companies in the world and then a corporate trainer. And, um, you know, that's a, a lot of, that's a numbers game. A lot of it is refining your pitch or whatever and finding out what makes your clients tick. And so, um, you can't give up. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of park sometimes they, they try one time and it doesn't work and, and they give up. And, um, Lisa, are you, you're an author as well. Is that correct? Yeah. I've written five books. Yeah. Number six. Okay. So you know how hard that is. I mean, there's yes. 7 million books on just Amazon alone, probably close to that on Barnes and Noble, whatever. And, um, it is so tough. And I've talked to a lot of authors that they're just like, I just gave up, you know, I sold yeah. 50 books to my friends and, um, that's kind of like an ongoing, you're, I'm always learning something about books or books marketing or your title or your subtitle or the categories you're in. And there's just such a science to it. So for me, failure is, um, I kind of approach it like Einstein where it's just like, okay, cross that off. That doesn't work. What's, mm-hmm. what am I going to do next? Um, otherwise I'd be very, uh, sad <laughs> because, <laughs> Because a lot of things end up wrong for me. I mean, a lot of things. One time Amazon um, wanted to make my book like a book of the month feature. And they said, hey, you have a spacing problem on this page. Can you fix it? So I sent it to a, a formatter and they ran it through the machine. And they loaded it back up onto Amazon. Shame on me for not checking. And the words were vertical. Oh rather than horizontal. <laughs> and so then, and yeah, exa- exactly. So then I was selling, you know, best, you know, best-selling author. And all of a sudden that stopped. I was like, what's happening? And so, you know what, luckily <laughs> you, you can, you can uh, reformat it again and load it up. And the next book printed is correct. But, um, who knew a, a million things, a million problems I've run into in my life. Well, I love your attitude towards it because, you know, we talk about this quite often on my show is that, a lot of the curveballs that get thrown our way, it's unforeseen. We could be doing all the right things, saying all the right proclamations, mentoring up, coaching up, really being invested into our own personal growth, personal commitment. We can do all those things, and yet we we all know as human beings, things at the 11th hour or things consistently for a period of time can just completely go off the rails. Yes. And I think the difference between the people who succumb to victimology and the people who look at that laugh learn the lesson, carry on, implement it as a learning tool, 
because when you know better, we do better and you just go for it. Right. And, and clearly you're somebody who's able to see the humor in situations. You obviously don't take yourself overly seriously, um, which is working for you. So congratulations on that, let alone your book. Um, Thank you. Yeah, but I, I just think, you know, for the benefit of the listening audience, I would really ask you kindly to share with the listening audience what they can do to get unstuck. Because sometimes people would look at some of what you've cited here and knowing that your book is specifically about failures and they would go, well, you know, that's my life. I can't get out from underneath the rock. I, I can't seem to get a good string of good fortune going here. What would be some of your recommendations, suggestions, advice, insight, wisdom, intuitive, whatever that you could uh, impart here with the listening audience so that they just don't like give up? Well, it's so funny. Um, I think book reviews are kind of like restaurant reviews. You either love the book or you hate the book, right? You either love the restaurant or you hate the restaurant. And so luckily, um, it's so funny because I actually have as my t- pen tweet on Twitter, it's like the book of failures has 200 fabulous reviews and 20 absolutely horrid reviews. You know, <laughs> Those people were probably in just a bad mood. But um, so some people read my book and, you know, my, and my book is very, um, you know, it's, it's meant to be funny. It's like fights with my husband. I, you know, we're a blended family. I went into shock, you know, from having one child to, to four, you know, three stepchildren. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, getting, you know, getting fired, uh, for, you know, standing up for myself. And uh, I mean, just, just a million things. I mean, you know, uh, thinking somebody's flirting with me on the freeway only to find out that my, um, jacket, you know, um, belt was, was was bouncing down the road. You know, I had this complete, you know, in my mind, I had a complete relationship. I'm like, Oh, I hope his parents have a house in the mountains that we can go with our children. And, um, you know, I was a young person and so a million mistakes and, uh, you know, I have a, a falling down story in there that I, I actually really hurt myself. I fell down like 40 steps in an office building and they had a glass overlook at the top, the second floor. And so they literally, I was screaming obscenities. I mean, it really hurt. <laughs> and I look up my, my suit is like curled up under my armpits, my pantyhose, my thigh high pantyhose. Cause it's a hundred in Atlanta are curled down by my ankles. <laughs> You know, I had underwear that had a picture of uh, buns, like a, a cheeseburger that said happy buns. And I'm, I'm, I'm laying on the floor and, um, I almost, I almost did not go back to work. Like literally I hobbled home and I was like, I can't go back. I can't, I can't go back there. I looked up and there's like 30 accountants looking down at me and, um, I got in the elevator, you know, my, my, eye, you know, I was crying in my car and I got in the elevator and this nice lady, a businesswoman's like, what happened? And I told her and she said, she, she listened and she nodded and she's so sweet. And then she goes, did you chip your tooth? And I was like, no, I did not chip my tooth. And then she proceeded to tell me this story about how she had this great fall and she t- chipped her teeth so badly that she had like prosthetic, you know, teeth, like she had yeah. to get a bridge or whatever. And we laughed so hard. I almost peed my pants in the elevator when she was telling me that story. And I realized something very young, like her disaster made me feel better about me. Mm-hmm. her failure made me feel better. And that's why I've discovered with this book. It's like either people are like, oh my gosh, I really struggle as a stepmom. Oh my gosh, I really struggle um, with being married. You know, I have the same exact fights with my husband. Oh my gosh, kids are so hard. My kids aren't talented. I mean, I have a chapter in there. It's like, um, I'm not, I'm not burdened with like all the scheduling of travel sports because my kids aren't talented enough to play travel sports. <laughs> So I'm not burdened with that, but 
anyway, the point is, I really feel like there's so much power in humor. There yeah. is so much power in it. And you know, everything is not funny when it happens. It's, it's not. But given enough time, almost, almost everything is funny. Mm-hmm. Almost everything is funny. And so if you can take a step back and look at your failure, and even in a business sense, you know, I, I do speaking engagements and people have asked me how this applies. It's like, when's the last time you heard your boss say, I made that mistake too? Mm-hmm. Or to make light of a situation, it's like showing grace to your employees by being slightly self-depreciating and honest and vulnerable will draw people to you and create such a better work environment. Um, it's proven over and over again. Now, a lot of times people, they park in their failures or they park in their, where they're stuck. Yeah. I, I always give the example, like on Facebook, like I do not want to know your entire foot bunion journey. <laughs> I don't want to know that. I do not want updates on that every day. If you, you know what I mean? If you have a health trouble, I'm sorry. I don't want to know that every day. There's different websites for that. There's support groups for that, but your general population feed isn't for that. So you can make light of something or you can give us updates once in a while, but do you know what I mean by park in it? Yeah. Like they can't get out of their, their own way. And yeah. And I'm not trying Absolutely. to make light if something somebody has real suffering. That's just not the place you put it. And what happens is there's a study that people can actually sense kind of desperation even in social media. And so desperation is like the world's stinkiest perfume, right? So the kind of like <laughs> the lonelier you are and the more you project that out there, the more people are repelled. So okay. there's a balance. There's a balance of being vulnerable but not being too over the top. Okay, well, you struck upon a lot of yumminess here. So I'm, I'm just trying to hold three simultaneous thoughts here, and I'm going to try and execute them accordingly. So going back to what you said about your fall, I instantly thought about ancient wisdom in terms of that quote, fall down seven times, get up eight. So I appreciate that example, because that is, in fact, going to resonate with the audience, literally or figuratively. Um, and who hasn't <laughs> fallen down in person? Like, whenever I'm in a speaking engagement, I'm always like, do it, you know, I do like a, a, a study. It's like very quickly, you know, raise your hand. If you've been to Europe, raise your hand. If your kids went to private schools, raise your hands. If you drive a foreign car. Okay. Now rank those people in your mind. Okay. Now next set of questions. Have you fallen down in public? Raise your hand. Have you ever tucked your skirt into your underwear? Raise your <laughs> hand. Have you ever had spinach in your teeth? Raise your hand. Now rank them. Right. And it's like, it, you like people <clears throat> that have a few flaws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and that's my second point. So good segue again, uh, underscoring that going into my second point is that this is why I think people find you to be the attractor factor, because I think the more people can reveal and share openly, rawly, candidly, whether it's something that's difficult that they've gone through, call it plight, call it uh, sitting in the abyss, whatever the case may be, tragedy, adversity, or alternatively, just the, the, the little foibles that happen to us every day, like the skirt getting caught in the underwear. You know, I've seen it be toilet paper for people, which is even worse. But anyway, so oh, I'm just sure <laughs> I have done both of those. A talk with the skirt and some toilet paper. 
Absolutely. And so this is what I think works for you. And I think this is why I think you're so genius in this is this regard in terms of having a presence and this being part of your stick with your book is, you know, people can't always necessarily relate to the success stories of who I showcase. Mind you, we do strip it down and we go back to the backstory because most people who I deem to be successful or characterized that way on the international stage, it's because they are quite clear about, well, this wasn't an overnight success story. There's been a lot of pain in my life. There has been a lot of desperation in my life. There's been a lot of things that have gone completely wrong and off the rails. And so this is the, this is the type of messaging that resonates most with my listening audience and my demographic, because we're all humans at the end of the day, who on the spectrum of humanity doesn't understand whether this, the circumstances are unique or different in each person's journey, what it means to be on the outside, what it means to have a load of crap land on your lap or, you know, all kinds of things like that. So the more relatable and the more identifiable you are with people, the more you stick out. And so for the ways in which you've made that blend and merge with you in your messaging is absolutely brilliant. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. The whole thing was a complete accident. I don't believe in accidents. As I, I don't, I, I don't. And you know what? Let's talk about that for a second, Lisa. So yes. when that attorney said, you're, you're nobody, you don't know anybody and you don't have any money. No, I will not represent you. I, I was shocked because it was a warm call. You know, I, I'm a salesperson, so I'm used to people hanging up on me and being nasty all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. But this was a warm call. It was an introduction to it by a friend. So I just was expecting, you know, especially when he's like, you're so funny, you know, that's how he answered the phone. And I was like, for one minute, my, my body was like off the ground. Like here I am talking to this attorney, I'm going to get representation. And then he said, no. And I said, um, I didn't know what to say. There was like silence. And then I said, well, that makes me really expletive sad. Like I I just was so shocked and angry Mm -hmm. and he started laughing and he said, let me give you some advice. You need to get on the map. When I search Amy Lyle, on the internet, I better find your name and I better find you connected to something to do with comedy. Hmm. And I was like, well, how should I do that? And he's like, you should write a book or do a blog. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to write a book about? I just spent, you know, all these months writing a screenplay, a female center comedy. And, um, and he said, <laughs> um, he said, write what you know. And he put an expletive in his word, his sentence. Yeah. And yeah. at that moment, I was like, I have had a lot of failures and that's why I wrote the book. And at, at, at the moment it was very self-serving to be honest with you. It was very much a means to an, okay, he wants me to write a book. I'm going to write this funny book and I'm going to get all this press and he's going to pay attention to me. You know, like it was kind of, um, a lot of people are motivated by that, right? Their parents never approved of them or, you know, they got fired or whatever. Yeah, I call it a fuck you moment. Yes, exactly. And so I didn't, the important thing about that is I didn't give up. I was like, you want a book? Oh, I'll write a book. And then I'm going to write another book. And, um, and all these amazing things that you mentioned, like I'd never planned on writing a book. I never planned on being on a local television show. I never planned on having my own show. I never planned on being a movie and all these are, are small potato things, but they're, they're really fulfilling for my life. I love creative, doing creative things. So my point is I would have missed this entire journey. And you know what? I had funding for my film. I do have that attorney representing me and I lost funding. So now I'm back to zero. Then I go to a book signing. I find another, the project's been stale for a year. I find a different executive producer. It's back on track. And so if you, if you only have your mind on, I will not be happy until I have fill in the blank, 
mm-hmm. you may be missing out on a lot of other things. Absolutely. Bingo. Bingo. And we talk about that quite often too. And that's one of my indoctrinations. It's like what you put your, uh, what you put your attention on grows stronger. And we're always faced with the two choices of those categories. It can be either submersing your energy and tanking on the negative, or it can be on the positive, which accentuates and propels you on the trajectory of where it is you say you want to go. And we know you and I both know, Amy, that, uh, things do not happen overnight. You're not always going to get a resounding yes. You're not always going to get a high five or a pat on the back. And not everybody's going to hold the vision that you hold for yourself. But if you are staunch in your belief of self and in your conviction, and you know that you have to do this and you feel a call it a a calling, feel it a call it a compulsion, whatever the case may be, you will get out of your way. And even if there's nobody there to support you, you will momentously get yourself on the right path to align yourself with the right people and the right opportunities and boom, bang, do things not just like go off like fireworks. And truly, and then it doesn't just become an isolated incident where people then write it off as a so-called coincidence. No, now it's a succession of things coming in because energy attracts energy. And you and I both understand law of attraction Otherwise, you and I would not be connected on this radio show today. Absolutely. And it's, um, you have a lot of, you know, when you're, you are a creative person, it's so funny because I was trying to get this movie made. I printed, you know, we published the book of failures and I got a email from Paradigm Talent Agency. They're saying, hey, one of our clients wants to make the book of failures into a movie or a sitcom. Who owns the rights to it? And I was like, you know, here, this is so strange. Like here I am trying to get a movie made and and I can't get that movie made, but here somebody wants to make this book that I wrote into a movie. So I was excited about that for, you know, 10 minutes and, you know, sent a (laughs) reply back. And then I never heard from them again. But the point is, and so I could be really sad about that because it, it never went anywhere. But the fact is somebody in Hollywood read my book yeah, and loved it enough to think this is so funny and would make a great sitcom or a great film and picked up the phone and contacted someone that at Paradigm. And so I just have to hope somebody else will see that and do that too. Beautiful. You know what I mean? It's like it's been proven somebody in Hollywood loves it. Absolutely. It just Absolutely. hasn't happened. So, so, you know, you have a million little things like that you could get depressed about, but you can't. You've got to be like – and, 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 you know, a lot of people have amazing screenplays and amazing transcripts that have never left their computer. And it mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're not amazing. That's right. Absolutely. Mean, yeah. So a lot of people don't know how to, you know, uh, navigate the world. Even if they have a publisher, they don't know how to navigate Amazon or whatever. Doesn't mean your work is not phenomenal. Doesn't mean you're not phenomenal. It just means you don't know how to navigate that section of the business. And I think people get really sad. Like they have a great, great product or a great, great book or a story and they don't know how to get it out there. And Mm -hmm. it's like, but it doesn't take away from you. That's right. You have to remember that. So maybe you need to hire someone to help you or start researching that. There's lots of free tools online or whatever. Uh, Lots of, you know, podcasts about uh, you know, Dave Chesson's comes to mind. If you want to publish a book, Laura Peterson's another one, the copy that pops. So there's lots of resources out there for you to get Absolutely. involved with what you want to. Yeah. 
Well, and it's like I say all the time, we all know this to be true. You don't know what you don't know. I mean, we all have a certain toolbox that encompasses certain skills, certain strengths, but for what you don't know, outsource it or go talk to the people who have proven to be successful in the knowledge area that you feel a deficiency in and go seek them out as your mentors. You know, go have coffee, go have a Skype call, Zoom chat, whatever the case may be and say, look, I, you know, there's some things that you've excelled at that I'm just kind of stepping and branching out into. I would really like five minutes in which to just, you know, bend your ear for a minute and and sponge up some of your yumminess. And most often people will be flattered uh, or grateful that you've seen them in that light and they will often reward you in kind with their time because most people who fall into the category of servant leaders or thought leaders or just good human beings, they're all about paying it forward and being of service. And they know that in once upon a time in their journey, there was always somebody who was willing to lend a hand or to put them in the right direction. Uh, so I, I totally agree with you, Amy, don't give up, keep going. Um, and really, again, what you put your attention on grows stronger and where people might feel inclined to, to say or to think, oh, you know, that that person that turned Amy away, that attorney, what an asshole. No, it's the people who have said no or who have in that particular moment, we feel like we've received disservice or injustice or whatever the case may be. They're the people who oftentimes are the greatest lessons, the greatest gifts. And it really, depending on your mindset and your gumption, will propel you on the journey. Initially, you want to call it a fuck you moment or whatever, but you do come out successful on the other end. And more importantly than proving other people wrong, you fundamentally prove yourself right. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And when he said that, like you were saying earlier, if you have this mindset, like I will get this female comedy made, I will, it is going to bring stay at home moms and working moms together forever. (laughs) You know, it's, um, you know, I have such a, and it's such a, you know, it's such a funny film that I am so driven and who am I? I? I really don't know anything about film. So when someone who's been in the film business, who's a leader in his industry, who has like you know, clients that you see on television all the time. And he says, Hey, this is what you do. Then you do it. Did he have to say it in such a nasty way? No, but that's him. That's Mm -hmm. him. It's, it's, it's LA. So you're right. A lot of people would shut down from that, but I was just like, okay, if that's what it takes to make a movie, then okay, I'll do this. You know, I, I will do anything. I mean, right now, um, I'm so excited. Um, I'm taking a course on um, TED Talks and um, that's what I'm going to do it on is the power of humor because I'm like, one, I feel passionately about people carry a lot of shame around. They really do. Mm-hmm. And um, and they have to let that go. Even if you just write it on a paper, piece of paper and burn it or tear it up or flush it down the toilet, even it's like, you know, studies show just writing it down and, and tearing it up kind of releases you from it. Um, yes. It's so awesome. So I really have passion about that and not to tell every single person, every humiliating moment. That's not what I'm talking about, but (laughs) to kind of make light of yourself and to release some of that. And you're probably be, you know, going to be able to help another person. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to do the Ted talk on that anyway, the power of humor, but then also a side thing is like, what if this Ted talk gets a million views? Certainly there will be an actor or an actress or some award-winning producer. (laughs) 
that will be listening to my TED talk and think she is funny. I do want to make her a movie. You know what I mean? Like you never there know. There you go. There you go. Well, I love how you strategically think and I love your tenacity. I love your fortitude and I love your resiliency because truly if you're going to level up or you're going to cross over or you're going to actually get out of your own way, you have to think like that. You have to look at, okay, this is what I've done. These are the results. Some of the results have worked in my favor. Some have not. And then you just keep tweaking and you keep refining and you keep honing and you keep connecting and you keep networking and you keep marketing and you keep, you just keep going, 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 going. And then the effort does get rewarded by the universe and people will take stock of that. People, you know, the, the most successful people are not necessarily the people who are the most skilled. It's the people who have the most gas in the tank. It's the people who have the best attitudes. It's the people who persevere, the people who are relentless, you know, and you clearly are Amy. So whether you get the Ted talk deal going or not for who you are and for what you have overcome and for where you are in the belief that you have in yourself, something is going to show up. Unlike, not unlike everything else that has shown up since day one, with the rejection from the attorney, call it attorney for hire, attorney for fire, whatever. <laughs> he did. He did you a favor. He did. I, I know, and I think you're right when you say put things out into the universe. So yes. I'll give you this example, and I'm I'm so ashamed of this, but you know I have a, a whole book oh, of things to shame like with. Shame. So well, I like but shame. I but it but you know anyway. So yeah. when you start selling books on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, you I hate to say this, you don't want to do like a little book signing. You don't want to do it because you go and you sell 10 books and you make $3 a book and it's awkward. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you don't make yes. any money. So you don't do those anymore and you'll, you'll do them for friends, but it's kind of like a vanity thing that, you know, people do that. Unless you're JK Rowling or, you know, John Grisham and you sign up and a thousand people buy your books, right? But yep. nobody's doing that for me. So I reluctantly <laughs> drove two hours, you know, in the rain, you know, from my home to do this, this uh, book signing for a friend of mine. I was like, fine. She was friends with the bookstore owner. I was like, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it for you. And, um, and she's like, okay. So I, I go down there. I'm not even making this up. So I sell three books. Uh, I think an old lady stole two of my books after she had me <laughs> sign them. <laughs> I go, would you like me to sign, put your name in here? She goes, nope. I think you're going to be famous one day and I'm going to sell them. They're going to be worth a lot of money. And then she went out. I was like, okay. So I signed them and she left and I realized there was nobody ringing anyone up at the time. So literally <laughs> I'm actually in the hole for the book signing, right? I lost money, <laughs> but it's so fun. And you know, I, it's kind of like doing stand up comedy. You know, when I'm reading my little essays, you know, people get a kick out of them. So after the event, the bookstore owner came over and he's like, oh my gosh, you're so funny. Would you ever turn these books into movies? And I'm like, oh, it's so funny you say that because I wrote a screenplay and blah, blah, blah. Guess, guess who he was? Oh, I'm an executive producer. I just made a film for X amount of money. I'm friends with a lot of other executive producers. Will you please send me your pitch deck? Yes, Steve, I will. Wow. And so you never know. Like you say, putting it out in the universe and it's like, and I know that even though I'm reluctant to do something, like sometimes I'm reluctant to do stuff for free. I'm like, fine, I'll do it. It's a charity. And then, <laughs> and, and, and then inevitably it always comes back and you always meet an interesting person yeah. and you always meet, you may go to the next step. And so it's like, um, there is something about that. You putting good in the world. It almost comes back to you instantly. 
I believe it always does. And, yeah. and tenfold, tenfold, yes. particularly, particularly when it doesn't come from the spirit of being contrived or fabricating or embellishing that there's, you know, genuineness or genuineness on your part. Like if it really comes from the heart space and you're doing it without expectation, you're doing it without the, the, the anticipation of reciprocity, you're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. And the more people who contribute, roll up their sleeves, give freely, uh, then that's the kind of place that we say we want our children and our grandchildren to inherit. But we have to be part of that daily practice. We have to be, be a part of that fundamental belief system. And we have to be part of that action taking. We can't leave it to someone else to make up for our shortcomings or, or you know, or us hoarding our whatever. No, we all have to give and we all have to give freely on some aspect and some element. I believe that. And I do believe, you know, there's a, um, you know, a Christian belief in that it's like, pray for your enemies, but you have to pray for them with, with, um, with well intentions. Like you can't like my, I can remember my sister. She's like, I'm praying for him and nothing's happening. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like, I don't, I don't think you're really praying for him. (laughs) I think you're kind of going through the motions there. The universe knows it. Exactly. Yeah. So you're right. It has to be, um, your, if your intentions aren't, and sometimes mine, it's like, I know this is a great charity. I know this is a great cause. I know once I get there, I'm going to have a great time. You know, it's just, right. Uh, I, I do know that, but sometimes I'm like, you know, I think a lot of people are like that. You're like, ah, but well, yeah. I think, it, I think it's also, you know, when we talk about karma and hindsight, 2020, you know, a lot of the times that we give, so to me, it's no different than on your path. If we want to parallel what my next uh, thought is with regards to you banging out a book and, you know, you defying the odds of what this person said, this attorney, you took, you know, you, you took his, his message and you ran with it and you ran with it in such a way that it ended up benefiting you in the long run. And it was one step towards the next step, towards the next step, towards the next steps and making all these great decisions with all these great steps now part of your path. And so when we talk about charities or when we talk about paying it forward or just doing it because it's the right thing to do, you know, there's no coincidence when people turn around and say, you know what, I don't really know why I gave to that particular cause or that charity or that fundraiser specifically. And let's just say, for example, it happens to be MS or cancer or whatnot. And then you fast forward 10 years and next thing you know, now you're the person with the diagnosis. You know what I mean? So oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's no differently when we're talking about your professional endeavors, when we're talking about your karmic endeavors, when we're talking about your personal endeavors. I think it all falls under the same construct of, you know, what you put out there comes back and it starts with energy. Everything is a derivative of energy. You put out good energy, you put out good vibes, you put out good intentions, you put out good efforts, you put out good thoughts, good whatever. It comes back back the universe does respond accordingly and again you've taken this and you've run with it i'm trying no you are you are i am i think i am running with it and i can't believe that i got the opportunity to do a little show it's called in the burbs and one of the 
the best parts, which I bet you'll say the same thing with your show, Lisa, is I love interviewing, you know, um, people that run charities or authors or yes. you know, creative people or whatever. I love meeting them and learning their story and promoting them because I know how hard it is to get your name out there. And so it's just so fun and they're so tickled. You know, they act like you're putting them on like the tonight show and it's this little, <laughs> little show, you know, like, Oh my gosh, it's bad. Should I get my hair done? I'm like, no, but um, <laughs> it's just, that brings me a joy that I never thought that I would have. And if I would mm -hmm. have started that a couple years ago, I don't think I would have an appreciation for it because I hadn't struggled so much. That's right. That's yeah. right. And when we talk about, cause you brought this up earlier and you've said it now again, the word desperation struggle. And so I think the greatest epiphanies, the greatest aha moments, the greatest transformation, the greatest growth, the greatest development always comes out of the pain always comes out of the desperation, always comes out of the headaches, the adversity, the, the hoops, the, the hurdles, the whatever you want to call it. And uh, I truly, truly believe that. And I say that quite often myself, as do all my guests who I showcase, because if everything came easily, and if you had an unjaded backstory and nothing had ever touched your life, touched you, you know, touched a chord in you, uh, really made you have to go deep within and really look at some of the more introspective things that need to be contemplated in life about how do I then show up? How do I show up as the best version of myself? If everything was easy and everything was hand delivered, um, one, you would never appreciate truly the gift of what you're being given in any moment of receiving it. I truly believe that. And it does make you a more empathetic person. It does make you a more, um, gracious person and and but you have to have your receiver mode open right oftentimes people still are in the shits with well who am I to think that I deserve this who am I to think that I'm worthy enough who am I to think that I have claimed to write a book you know so I know I never really thought about that someone asked me that they're like so you think you're really funny I was like yeah uh, <laughs> yeah and I was just like yes I don't have very many things, but that I am certain of. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, um, and I, I think you're right. It's, I, I have, um, I'm not a jealous person. Like I'm never jealous of someone's belongings or even, even their talents. Um, mm -hmm. I am, I was jealous for a long time of people that had normal childhoods. I was so jealous. Me too. Me I too. was so jealous. And, um, I was like, you had a normal childhood or, you know, your heart is kind of like still intact and the safest place for you to was to be home. And that wasn't the case for me. Yeah. And, but now uh, um, you know, I think a lot of stand-up comics, you know, I do stand-up comedy, a lot of stand-up comics, they come from that place and it's a coping mechanism. And just like my sister and I roller skating in our basement, imitating our parents, you know, that was our coping <laughs> mechanism, right? We'd imitate our parents. And, um, and then now, you know, we, you know, we have four kids and when they come home and they say something, you know, nasty, maybe about uh, a peer, it's, I really can relate. I'm like, you don't know what's going on in that person's home. Mm -hmm. You know, hurt, hurt people, hurt other people. You absolutely. And I think, um, you know, going back to the failure thing, I think failure is a great equalizer. So if you are, you know, the, a brand new employee and you're in a meeting and the CEO or the CFO is there and, you know, you're very intimidated by him and you don't have the same education and you don't have the same money and you don't live in the same zip code, but he looks down and he's like, oh my goodness, I put a blue shoe on and a black, you know, black shoe and a, and a blue shoe on this morning. Cause they're the same loafer, just one's Navy and one's blue. All of a sudden you're like, 
I can relate to him. Like I think failures are a great connector and a great equalizer. And that doesn't mean that CEO or CFO sits in the failure. He moves on. He's successful. But to, to have moments like that in your life, if you are leading people, it really draws them to you and makes you human. And it changes kind of like why people want to work hard. It changed, like I've been so lucky in my boss, in my life to have bosses. I just did not want them to be disappointed. I I wanted them to be proud of me. And I knew if I made them look good, I would look good. And, um, I don't know. And, and they, and something that they all had was a a great humanity to them. They, they were very self depreciation. Oh, I made that mistake too. And, um, okay, well don't do that again. This is how you fix it. It's not like they were slack or didn't have high expectations. They probably had higher expectations, but you weren't scared to go to them. If you made a mistake, you knew Mm -hmm. that they would be there and fix the problem. And I think we're missing an element of that. We, we, we most definitely are. And I think you said something that was also very key, which I'm going to uh, paraphrase in my way of, of spewing it back out. So, you know, I think if we, if we use the CEO or the boss as the example, and he's wearing mismatched coloring shoes, what you said there is he pointed it out. And I think this is where we all, you know, we're always like scared, like, oh, I hope so-and-so doesn't see this. I hope so-and-so didn't, didn't hear that. I hope so-and-so doesn't, didn't observe this. And I think if you are the first person to point out your own foibles or your own shortcomings or your own failures or your own embarrassing, humiliating moments, um, again, there's, there's something that just instantaneously makes other people want to bond with you. They instantaneously trust you because they don't see you as the finger pointer. They don't see you as being on your high horse in the hierarchy of haves, have nots, or I'm more superior, you're inferior. No, because when it comes to humanity, we're all on the same level. And, and I think when you use the example of the CEO, again, highlighting that he himself has mismatched shoes on and use that as a parallel for or metaphor for any other aspect of life. If you're the one to point things out, there's what I just said is, you know, is a benefiting factor. But it's also like people can't use things against you people who are mean spirited who think, oh, well, I'll throw them off their game and I'll throw them under the bus and I'll point out that they're not as perfect as they want the rest of the world to think they are. Well, you know what, if you're an open book and you're transparent and you're quite open to show not just your successes, but your failures or your idiosyncrasies or, or whatever, people will go, oh, okay, well, she's already got that down pat. So who am I to think I'm going to ruffle any feathers over here? Next, move on. Exactly. And I, I think, you know, the mean spiritedness, like I, you know, you can go to a comedy show that's. Uh, you know, there are certain comics that pick on the audience and they're really exploitive. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's not funny, but you know, whatever. I just don't go to those shows. I'm not going to censor those people. But like in the workplace, that's never funny. And you read all these studies about humor in the workplace. That's never funny to exploit someone else. Right. It's you can exploit yourself or you can get permission or you can tell the story together or you can grow from the mistakes, but you should never do that out of a surprise to an employee. Like, remember when you messed up in Cleveland? Like, that's not appropriate. But yep. there are ways that you could build in humor. You just have to build in the right type of humor in the workplace. And in your well, lives. I think with your children and your husband and your friends, it's like, you know, everybody, everybody makes 
mistakes. And normally people will say either I did that too, even worse, or I never thought about that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there was something I was going to say there. I'm just trying to think if I can regain that thought. Um, oh, my, my least favorite type of human being, and this is okay because we all have to do the work and we're all at different levels of, of self-awareness, but it's the passive aggressive person who says something very cunning and then it's followed up with a LOL. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm going to stick you with a fork in yeah. your throat. Yeah. <laughs> and that's right? like a nervous, insecure person. It like, is. It's mm-hmm. more about them than they don't it know is how about to, you. Yeah, they don't know how to, how to handle it. Yeah. That's, that's why, you know, both of my books, my book is, of course, all the book of failures is all of my failures. And the second one, we're all a mess. It's okay. It's all other people's failures. And it's like, I'm not making fun of them. They sent me the stories. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I was posting on, um, uh, on my social media, um, hashtag Friday fails. And I'd put one of my own failures and people would put their failures were so funny. So I started saying, may I have this, may I have, you know, editing rights to this, uh, you will get no royalties. May I put this in a book? <laughs> and, um, you know, I had almost 300 pages of people telling me, I mean, the funniest stories about dating and, you know, someone's like, well, she almost got murdered. And I'm like, well, I know, but that was 10 years ago. Like, of course it wasn't funny when she was almost getting murdered then. But now looking back on it, it is funny. You know, she's telling the story or, you know, vacations going crazy or, you know, the most bizarre coworkers in the world. You know, it's not funny <laughs> at the time. But then later you're like, I heard a noise and they were clipping their toenails into the trash can with their socks <laughs> off next to me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's gross. <laughs> oh, my God. But now it's funny and you can, yes. you know, or mother-in-law stories or crazy, you know, even their own mother. So and we all have that in our family and it's not funny at the time, but if you can look back at it later and laugh at it, it just, you're not, sometimes you have to realize you are not going to change your mother-in-law and you're not going to change your mother. And so what can you do? You have to kind of meet them where they are and then kind of giggle about it later because right. people are nuts. Well, and, and, and taking that even to a, a deeper level, you can't change your past. So make it work for you, right? Make, make whatever yeah. hardship has ever happened to you work for you, right? It, there's no coincidence to people who have been abused. They go and empower other people uh, and get in the field of working with people um, who, who at a younger age can learn how to become more self-empowered, who can advocate for themselves. Um, or in comedy, a lot of people who are in comedy, they've, you know, they've used humor to escape a lot of the pain. And it's not really escapism as much as it's, you know, it's really brilliant, actually, because when you think of all the options for coping mechanisms like substance abuse or, uh, you know, or just like completely going down the rabbit hole and never coming out uh, to see the light of day again, you know, call it self-deprecation, call it whatever. But if you're making other people laugh by exposing the humanity of, of, of how we all have deficiencies, we all have inadequacies, we all have imperfection, um, you know, these are the people like yourself, Amy, that people just bond with you. It's like you're, you know, they're a moth to light. Well, I think everybody like I love Kevin Hart is one of my favorite comedians. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what a horrible, you know, background is yes. addicted to drugs. And and just like you said, most people like Jerry Seinfeld, I think he was just ignored. Like I love his his bit about, you know, his kids and the bedtime routines, two hours and they're reading a book and they're in the bubble bath and they're, you know, playing the soft music. He goes, you know what my bedtime was? Darkness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
like, that was my bedtime routine. It's right. And so he was just ignored, but he does talk about it. And I think every time we talk about it, like I do talk about, you know, my childhood, my dad, his theme when we were growing up was like, you are not special. That, that, that was his mantra to my sister and I, you know, he was German. Uh, you, you know, it's like, don't call attention to yourself. You're not special. You're not special. And, um, it, and now that's so funny, you know, but at the time, obviously it wasn't funny, but every time I say that in stand up, it releases that it releases that hold on me a little bit more. And I think it's the same when Kevin Hart does it every time he tells that story about his dad, embarrassing him at the spelling bee, showing up with no underwear with these, you know, <laughs> baggy pants. And, oh my gosh, it's so funny. I think it re- releases that pain. And, um, I think it's such, such a beautiful thing that, you know, people can well, handle their stress. Absolutely, And it's the gift that we give the world, right? Because we all come with our own unique talents and our skills and our passions and our purpose. And the world is starving for that. So I think when people choose to play small and they hoard it and they get more caught up in the mindset of, again, who am I to think that anybody's going to want to listen to me or thinks that anything that comes out of my mouth is worth, worth listening to, um, well, you know what? You're not the general manager of the universe. Give people an opportunity. It's a smorgasbord out there. If they like what you have to offer, let them grab it. Let them enjoy it, right? Let them grow and expand as a result of it. Yeah, and there's an audience. I mean, there's so many people in the world that there is an audience. I mean, every every actor is not my cup of tea. Every comedian's not my cup of tea. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Me but, neither. Um, yeah, but there's a certain person that you attract yeah. that in it, it, sometimes they're like-minded, sometimes they're totally different from me, but they're just like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't, I come from an era that we would never say something like that. And you've made me realize I've been holding on to this stuff and there's no reason to hold on. I'm letting it go or, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And I'm like, you're welcome. So, um, yeah, I think every, everybody brings different gifts to it. And humor is just, you know, one gift. There's, there's many, there's millions of gifts, right? Yeah. But humor is a very powerful one. It really does soothe the soul and it really does put things into perspective depending on what you're being humorous about. Right. Because sometimes people do get too heady. People do get caught up in being analytical and people get caught up in, in self-deprecating themselves to the point where, you know, they just, they become invisible or they can't be seen or they can't, you know, they're just whatever. But if you use self-deprecation or you just use the truth of the reality of, you know what, shit's going to happen to all of us. So let's not, let's not hide behind that fact. Let's talk about it and let's have fun with it. My husband, it's so funny. People always say, you know, is your husband funny or does your husband think you're funny? I'm like, my husband is a Georgia tech engineer. (laughs) (laughs) I was formerly married to an engineer. So I get that joke tenfold. And so, you know, we've been married coming up on 10 years and finally, like he is, he gets me because he's like, that's not funny at all. Or that's, you know, that's this, or why would you say that? Or you're making fun of me. And, yeah. um, and now he realizes like literally in my last stand up uh, comedy routine, I, I did this joke about how I was in the bathtub and he came in and he was in the shower and I could see him right, right across from me. And he's telling me this complete story, Lisa, why scrubbing places by scrubbing his junk while maintaining complete eye contact with me. I'm like, <laughs> I, I can see you. I can see you. And um, at first his face turned red. And then the MC of the night was like, and let's give it up for Peter. And like, he stood up and kind of bowed. And like, he <laughs> finally, after 10 years, he's like, I got to embrace it or I'm going to murder her. And um, he just laughed along with everyone. You know what I mean? Because every yeah. husband in the room has probably had some kind of exchange like that with their wife where they've 
you know, cross the line or whatever. And it's just like, we're not that familiar. Don't, I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, I learned the hard way that if you want to, and I'm amicable with my ex, don't get me wrong. And we always put the children first and foremost. So we work extremely well, better now divorced than ever together. Good. And so with him having been an engineer, it was like, if I want him to understand me, I have to put it in a friggin' Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. And my, and, <laughs> yes. And my husband's funny when he doesn't think he's funny. He's like, the first year he's like, you sold, he goes, you made $26,000 selling books. And I was like, what? $26,000 profit. And he's like, no, 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 no. You know, and your bank account is $26,000. You spent $36,000. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Dang it. But the first year, you know, I had this giant launch party that cost as much as a wedding. And I was kind of like, go big or go home. Yeah. And what? I've made it up now. Would I recommend somebody do that? No. But I was kind of like, I'm going to have a best-selling book on Amazon. And, you know, I'm going to get press for this. And the press is going to come to this event. It's going to be a night celebrating women changing their lives after 40. It's going to be so exciting. So, you know, that was that the best move. No, <laughs> but, it's story. but it's a great story. And in hindsight, you know what? I made it for it the next year. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But he was so serious. It was so fun. Like I thought he was being funny. He wasn't being funny. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like you said, he was reading me the spreadsheet. He's like, um, yeah. you made this much, but your expenses were this much. I'm like, look, <laughs> alpacas aren't free. You know, I have an alpaca on my, my cover. But those aren't free. You have to rent those. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, my dear, being cognizant of time, I want to give you the opportunity. Where can people find you? Where can people get be on your show? Where can people reach out to you? Uh, sure. You know, and we're always, yeah. like you, we're always looking for guests on our show. Um, if they, they have to be funny. They, they, they can be, they have to have a funniness to them because it's a funny show. And, you know, yeah, usually yeah. we have moms or writers or creative people. And that is in the burbs. And the best place to reach us is probably a direct message from Facebook. And then my um, own personal Facebook stuff is um, amylyle.me. Mm -hmm. uh, my website's the same name, amylyle.me. I'm not a narcissist.com was taken. So I had to do dot me, amylyle.me. <laughs> com was taken. Um, on Twitter, it's just amylyle. Instagram, amylyleauthor. Um, that's it. Uh, the books are available anywhere you buy books, Barnes & Noble or uh, Bookzillo or uh, Amazon. Fantastic. And so even though you've got your hands already plenty going, what, what's upcoming for you? What do you envision for yourself? What's the bigger vision that you continuously hold for yourself? Well, I've been praying big, big, big prayers that this uh, executive producer that I met, you know, that I'm attracting the right investor and we attract the right talent and we attract the right director to make this film come to fruition and, um, and to allow myself, if it's not the right person, then it's not the right time and it will land in the right hand. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And then writing for the show, you know, coming up Wednesday, we have a show. I'm so excited. We have a New York times bestselling writer on there, Karen white. So I always look forward to that promoting other authors and such. And then, um, at the basement, theater in Buckhead. If you live in Atlanta in December, I will be there doing stand-up comedy coming up this month. 
Fantastic. Wonderful. And so just very clearly, out of all the yumminess that we shared together here in this lovely conversation, Amy, what would be the one thing that you would hope would impress upon the listening audience the most or the last thing that you would hope that resonates with them as their greatest takeaway from having listened to you today on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald? I would say forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for all human and laugh. Let let yourself see the mistakes that you've made in hindsight and be able to laugh about them, even if it was the horrible divorce, even if it was a horrible situation, obviously not death. But even in that, I've been to funny you know, funerals where I'm like, is he really wearing a tie with fish on it? What? <laughs> You know what? Is he going bass fishing after this? How can this be? But allow yourself, if you can, to laugh about your mistakes. It doesn't mean don't move on. It doesn't mean don't do the same thing again. You got to learn from it. But forgive yourself. Show show yourself some grace. We all we all make mistakes. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, my friend, you're always welcome to come back to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald because I'm sure there's going to be leaps and bounds, additional momentous growth for you. And I would hope that the next time that we talk, the way you have manifested things, it's actually tangibly come to fruition in the way that you would want it to align. I have no doubt that's going to happen for you, Amy. You're just too much of a spitfire for it not to. Uh, Really, truly. So I just want to thank you once again for the gift of your time. I really thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with you. And to the listening audience, I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your own hectic schedules for tuning in to myself and Amy Lyle on this particular Friday. My purpose, which I'm exceptionally clear on, is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next Friday, I wish you all my best. Love and gratitude. Have a fantastic weekend. And to you as well, Amy, all my best. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye, everyone. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero. Be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.